And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is where we take a look at the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. Oftentimes, we will view things through a worldly perspective, and then things can get cloudy, confusing, upsetting. But when we take a look at them through a biblical perspective, we might get some clarity, some understanding, some perspective. And even though we might not like what's going on, but we still have a better understanding of why or how it's going on because the Bible dictates to us a lot of things that we can can understand and we can have uh, assurance in because of our faith in in God or faith in Jesus and what the Word has to say. And Dan Delzell is with me, and Dan is a, a pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska, Redeemer Church. He's also an author. He's written many articles and and some of those, most of those, a lot of them you can find on the Christian Post, but he writes a lot of different articles and on different matters and subjects. And Dan, you know, we've been talking about a variety of things over the past, you know, few months from politics to theology to other things. And one of the things that has caught my eye recently, and this is where I think a topic where the worldview versus a biblical view could paint, I guess, quite a different picture. And I don't want to alarm people and, and get all, you know, fire and brimstone and conspiracy theorists towards end times. But what we're starting to see is a lot of technology advancements in areas that are being perceived as convenient for us, cool, hip. And what I mean by that, for example, we went through the COVID pandemic and we're coming out the other end, it looks like. And everybody's taking a vaccine if they want one right now. It's a choice. But a lot of people are looking forward to traveling and getting back out there and opening up as the world kind of rebounds from the pandemic, the post-pandemic era. And one of the things is tourism and travel. A lot of airlines, a lot of countries, a lot of travel agencies and travel destinations are looking at requiring people have a vaccine or prove that they're COVID negative before they can travel. And one of the universal things that is being accepted is a COVID passport ID, a vaccine ID that dictates or shows that you've gotten the vaccine. Some of them are talking about it being a paper-based. But of course, in this technology world, in this global era, a lot of focus is now going on the digital, the digital passport. And so it started getting me to think about, you know, as we usher towards the end times, what comes to mind is the mark of the beast. And how everybody is going to have to, at some point, take the mark of the beast or else they will suffer the consequences. And so are we starting to see maybe not necessarily the end times, perhaps, and the mark of the beast and the Antichrist and all that. But are we starting to see maybe the road being paved for that? And that's kind of the conversation that I was hoping we could get into because you also have something by Amazon. Amazon has something that they are trying to uh, to pitch that is a palm reader. It's a. Uh, in fact, let me just play it. I, I got a commercial from the internet, and this is what Amazon and their Palm One is all about. This is Zoe. Just like you, she uses lots of different cards and IDs to get through her day. What if all Zoe needed was herself? Introducing Amazon One, a free service that lets you use your palm to quickly pay for things, gain access, earn rewards, and more. Let's say you're grabbing your favorite coffee beverage, or heading into the office, or checking out. Just hover your palm and you're on your way. It's as easy as that. Sign up is free and takes less than a minute. All you need is a credit card, your phone number, and your palm. That's it. 
Since your palm is unique and can't be lost or misplaced, you can get things done quickly and securely. And with more experiences on the way, Amazon One will help you get even more done, simply by being you. Now, Zoe has more time to do what she loves, indoor skydiving. Enter, identify, and pay with Amazon One. Dan, that doesn't even require a chip or anything. That just uses the skin of your hand to identify who you are. So as we get into the conversation, any any opening thoughts on, on this subject? Yeah, Son, uh, thanks a lot for having me again today. And, and uh, yeah, I think there are a lot of people, and I would certainly agree, that seem to feel like there, there, are, there are things going on in the world today that are um, maybe preparing um, the world, if you will, for, for that sort of really ultimate, you know, mark of the beast. And, and uh, as it says in, uh, you know, Revelation 13, it talks about how this, this beast who um, would come out of the earth then uh, would force everyone small and great, rich and poor, slave and free to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, uh, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Uh, this calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let them calculate the number of the beast for his man's number. His number is 666. Um, so, you know, when we, when we get into Revelation, like, like the book of Daniel, um, there are parts of, of Revelation, you know, that uh, are uh, apocryphal and, and difficult to, uh, difficult to interpret. You know, there are um, various, for example, sign various interpretations of, the end times that, um, that that Christians hold to. I mean, really, four main views. We won't get into those today, but um, four main views. Everybody's heard of, you know, uh, premillennial, um, you know, premillennialism and and uh, uh, the rapture and and the tribulation period. And, and there are different uh, different interpretations of when those will happen. And, and, and good Christians on on really, you know, you could almost say on all all four positions there. Um, have a different interpretation of that. So you're going to have the same thing here with the mark of the beast and, and with what's going on today. I think where probably everybody would be able to agree, at least Christians, is that there has always been, uh, ever since Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden and, and until, you know, time ends here in this world and, and people are, are, are no longer being influenced in this world because everybody's either in heaven or they're in hell. Um, but um, I, I think there's always been this, this strong spiritual move to try to force people into a mold that will, um, in, in essence, worship the beast uh, and and will worship, you know, man, will worship Satan, will worship, um, you know, something or someone other than, than God. You know, here in Revelation 13, it, it, it talks about, um, about, you know, how this, this, uh, these great miraculous signs will be performed by uh, this beast, uh, you know, coming out of the earth, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. So now if we take that particular verse literally, which um, I, I think many, many would, um, you know, we, we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seemed to reach that point yet where, um, <laughs> you know, uh, we're, we're seeing, uh some something here that this beast that is performing uh this, this miraculous sign of having fire come down from heaven and and where uh everybody is is being deceived and and where uh people are being uh forced to uh 
to get this this mark of the beast and 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 not only that but um to, to worship this image that is spoken of here in revelation 13 because again it says um you know he was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed and then it goes on to talk as, as we read there about uh, you know forcing people uh, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead. So to, to go back to that Amazon, um, you know, Palm Pay that you, you, you played there, you know, it, it would be hard, at least for Christians, not to be thinking about, well, how does that relate to what, you know, Revelation is talking about? And, and th- there are some real similarities. I mean, obviously there are, you know, plenty of differences, but there are some real similarities in, in, in terms of, you know, what that technology is allowing a person to do. So is it preparing kind of the world for this, uh, this ultimate um, uh, sequence of events? I mean, perhaps, uh, but, but there's no question, Son, that what we've seen going on in the world in recent years, and, and, and we see it over and over again with issues, uh, you know, the world is becoming less comfortable with alternative views to what, you know, it, it, it claims to be uh, correct. You know, you and I have talked about here, you know, the latest one is the whole, you know, transgender nonsense that the world is trying to force um, teachers and doctors and parents and Christians and everybody to all of a sudden just reject what people have believed for thousands of years. And that is that, you know, God created uh, male and female, you know, now, now we're supposed to, just erase that from our minds and, and be open to this idea that gender is really nothing more than a, a social construct that, that, um, you know, it really, it, it's up to you to determine and define your gender and the pressure that is being put on, on doctors and teachers and politicians and, and, and just your, you know, just your average citizen to embrace something so illogical, um, so anti-science, so anti-biology. Um, and I know we've talked about it before. And I know we'll talk about it again. Um, but that, that issue is not going away. But it's a great example, I think, Son, of what we see going on in the world. Um, that, that when you're not a Christ follower, you are susceptible to buying into a whole host of things that you feel driven to force upon other people. Um, and you mentioned the vaccine, you know, for example, ra- rather than allowing that to be optional, uh, as, as it should be, um, there would be those, uh, especially, you know, who don't know the Lord, who they don't even know why they would feel driven to try to force that on everyone or, or, or why some people, rather than giving schools the option uh, to, to stay open or close or whatever, why they have to force their agenda on someone else. So the one common denominator we see there, Son, in, in all of these examples, is, is the difference between control versus freedom. Control versus freedom. I mean, everything we read about in Revelation 13 with the mark of the beast is about control, forcing you to get this mark. Um, otherwise, you can't buy or sell. Okay, that's all about control. So while we may not, you know, we're obviously not at that exact point right now, um, we are seeing some very, very alarming examples of control, control, control. And, you know, it's been years now that we've been using the term political correctness uh, because, you know, there are people who don't seem to be content unless they can force you to believe, um, you know, to believe their their opinion and accept their ideology. And, and I'm just waiting, son. I don't know if it's going to or not, but I'm just waiting to see this whole transgender nonsense, 
you know, blow up in the face of, of just, you know, political correctness. Because, I mean, when, when you got, you know, even, you know, even, you know, liberal feminists coming out against it because, because, you know, it's a bridge too far for them. Uh, and, and it's a bridge too far to say that, you know, that little four-year-old boy, if he, if he feels like he's a girl, well, maybe he is one. Um, you know, it is even for a liberal, uh, you know, feminist. Uh, there are those who are, who are not willing to go there because they recognize that that is a rejection of biology. It's a rejection of, of, of what everybody knows or should know to be the plain, simple fact. And that is that you're, you know, you're either a, a male or a female. Um, but but uh, without going too far down that issue, I, I, I bring that in in my answer here, son, just to simply say that I think this Mark of the Beast thing is, is another example that we see of the world um, always wanting to control people, and especially Christians. And we're going to see more and more of that in America, wanting to control Christians, um, what they can say, what they can't say. I mean, and we, and we saw the whole deal with, you know, we're going to force you to bake a cake, you know, even though, you know, the, the whole premise of it, the whole purpose of it, Man, you know, may go against your your Christian convictions and principles because of what it's celebrating. We're going to force you to do it against your will. Now, son, that you could call that the you know, it may, it may not be specifically the mark of the beast, but it, it is it is a mark of of what I would call demonic control, a mark of demonic opposition to freedom. And the devil is opposed to freedom, and the Pharisees they hated Jesus because he was free, and he would not just submit to their control. And, and we see it over and over and over again. And, and where this is going to go with the whole bark of the beast, you know, there'll be different um, interpretations of that by different Christians. But I think you're right. You're right on target there, son, with this observation of this whole uh, Amazon Palm Pilot. It definitely raises some interesting and, and even disturbing questions about where is this heading, you know? You know, Dan, you mentioned a lot of things in there, and it reminds me of, of somebody that uh, I heard on an interview one time. Her name is Sue Ellen Browder. She was a writer for Cosmopolitan Magazine for 20 years. She was a part of writing stories and articles and commentary back in the late 60s and early 70s into the 70s when the women's movement was just kind of in its infancy. And she was talking about, on this particular interview, how do you get something like abortion, for example. Okay, abortion at the time, when you take into the context of the time of her writings, you know, it was something that most people would agree was something that was very bad. It wasn't accepted at all in society. That's why you had the back alley abortions and things like that. You had to be in secret, and there was a lot of shame that came with it, as she said. But she was asked the question, well, then how did you, how were you able to get that into the women's movement? And she talked about how you paint this picture and how you create this, what she called eventually propaganda, because she has since changed her tune from her writings. But this is what she had to say. And I find it fascinating because it is, like we played that commercial for the uh, Amazon One, the palm reader, it was the same thing. So this is what she had to say about when you're trying to get something into the narrative, this is how you do it. Let me talk to you first about how you sell things to people, because how did I get involved in all this? There People ask how propaganda works. Propaganda is half-truth, selected truth, and truth out of con- uh, context. When you, how do you sell pianos? Okay, People say, oh, well, you teach, you know, this piano sounds good. No, 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 no. You sell pianos by selling the music room. You run, ad, you run uh, pictures of beautiful music rooms 
in House Beautiful, in Architectural Digest, you sell Middle America on the idea that they need a music room, and then they will just naturally think of a piano. How do you sell fancy clothes, makeup, travel, contraceptions, and abortions to young women? You sell them on the Cosmo lifestyle. And if once they've accepted that Cosmo lifestyle, those other things will just naturally follow. I find that pretty telling because that's exactly what it is. I mean, you think about Sex in the City and how that had major influence over people, especially women. You think about Friends, the TV show back in the 90s. You know, even, even Rachel had a, um, had a haircut style where you'd walk into a salon and say, I want the Rachel, you know. And so you paint this picture of something that you need as a society, and you're not painting the image of the exact thing that you're trying to do. So if you take something like, let's say, the Mark of the Beast, for example, in this conversation, you're not going to sit there and paint the picture of, hey, you need this Mark or else you can't buy stuff and you're going to die. We're going to paint the picture hey time convenience ease you know you don't need your credit cards you don't need any of this you could just swipe your palm across the reader and off you go and you can go and and do more indoor skydiving and you paint in this lifestyle and that's what i think especially younger people like millennials and younger they buy into they buy into this painted picture of the lifestyle i think um wasn't it the the saturday evening post would paint those pictures of americana and that was like the iconic way of living that people wanted to do and so again you right. you know you're buying into this this lifestyle and that's been advertising all along and so i often wonder if that's the type of thing cuz you cuz you think of what she said it's half truth it's selected truth and then it's truth out of a context so it's all mixed in there so it's like hey this is what you can have. It may or it may not be true. I mean, look at what COVID has taught us. You know, there's been a lot of half-truths, truths out of context, you know, things like yeah. that. Masks have been the same way. I mean, that's everything that we've learned over the last year is these half-truths, selected truth, truth out of context, but you're painting something. Oh, you need right. the, the masks. You need the vaccine. You need the passports, the COVID you know, vaccine passports, because it's safety. It opens up travel. It opens up tourism. You paint this picture of all the positives, and then after a while, you start to insert that control, and you insert the control of the lives of people, and then when it's too late, now you start demanding of them and dictating to them how it's going to be. Otherwise, they won't be able to be a part of it. Yeah, I think that's what we are seeing happen, Son, is just that. And and it is about trying to control people. You know, it's going to be interesting to me to see when, you know, if they go to these vaccine passports, I mean, you know, there are plenty of people, including plenty in, in the uh, medical field, who I think would say that they, they don't know for sure whether, you know, getting a vaccine means you won't get COVID again. I mean, they, they think you could get it again. So from my standpoint, I'm wondering, well, what good would a vaccine passport be? Aren't they still going to have to require um, some other type of COVID screening just to fly you know, some sort of very recent uh, COVID test, just like they are in many countries today where you can't enter that country unless you've had like a COVID test in the you know previous couple of days or whatever. Um, so it doesn't even really make any sense, but they, they don't really see that any more than they see, um, I, I think, what's happening with the whole transgender thing. You can get lost in your desire to control people and not even realize that it's not it's not an effective way to approach something you know if we were dealing son with someone who uh was anorexic 
we would not be encouraging that person to get liposuction. Um, but, 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 but an even deadlier approach is being given to those who, who are saying they have some gender confusion and, and they're being given uh, hormone suppressing drugs. They're being steered in this direction where they could end up having uh, radical surgery to alter their bodies. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's very, very alarming, but, um, when you lose sight of, of freedom, when you lose sight of, uh, the way God created, you know, man and woman, when you lose sight of the fact that, um, there's a lot of things we don't know about COVID and we don't know about the vaccine. Um, I think everybody should take a deep breath and, um, you know, fortunately, son, we still have a lot of people in America who, you know, are not going to give up on freedom. You know, I, I was thinking here, um, as we, as we, we've been visiting too, if we think back just a few short months ago to what happened there with the Capitol riots, um, and, and we think about, you know, how that was, you know, that, that was a huge, um, error on the part of those who stormed the Capitol. Um, but, but what it reminds me is, is uh, of is this son, um, in the history of America, when there have been moves of the Holy Spirit, when there have been revivals, one of the things that I believe Satan has tried to stir up, to try to put a pause in the revival or, or to try to give it a bad name is, is extremists. Um, who, who are starting to operate not with the Holy Spirit's power, but with, with more of a demonic spirit. And, and, and there have been some weird manifestations at times during genuine revivals um, that, that, that don't seem to be coming from the Holy Spirit, but, but they seem to be coming out of nowhere. And, and, and I think that what, what America, on a much lower scale than spiritual revival, because that, that's the highest level, I mean, you know, um, when we talk about politics and even the health of a nation, I mean, ultimately, that's not as important as the health of every individual soul. But, but what, I, what I saw happening in America is there seemed to be a real revival of conservatism, a reaction uh, against all of the lockdown, controlling, um, you know, leftist agenda to try to force a, uh, an anti-God um, you know, doctrine against people, a, a, uh, a pro-abortion, um, you know, doctrine and, and, and on and on it goes. But I, but I think in the midst of that, um, revival, and I think, I think you even had, you know, you even had a lot of conservative rallies. Uh, I'm not going to call them spiritual rallies, although I do think if, if some more wisdom had been utilized, uh, I mean, I think, for example, I think, um, President Trump had a unique opportunity. That, that if he'd have called on Mike Pence and Franklin Graham to maybe each spend about, you know, seven or eight minutes in prayer at the beginning and the end of those rallies, they would have had a much different tone. I think that would have maybe had a different tone going into that Washington rally. But you had so many people worked up and some on the fringe who were willing, apparently, to be, become violent, you know, willing to, you know, break in and destroy things there in the Capitol and so forth. Um, that's unfortunate. And that was not that was not good. That part of it. But, but, but that doesn't mean that across America, the millions of, of Americans who were experiencing a revival of conservatism were somehow radical or extreme or, or wanting to storm the Capitol or anything like that, you know, break in to the Capitol building. Um, I think there were a lot of people that got caught up in that moment. And then there were a few on the fringe who went way overboard and did wrong things. But my, 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 my point is... Um, you know, we, we, you just have to, you have to sit back and examine, you know, what, what is actually going on here? And I think there, there would be plenty of people now 
who would try to use what happened at the Capitol to paint a broad brush over um, over conservatives in, in, in America. Uh, you know, and, and I think that would be very, very misguided because in my way of thinking, you know, 95, 98% of, of real conservatives, you know, they have no interest in trying some sort of, of um, uh, you know, like overthrow of the government or something like this or, or some sort of, of, of uh, you know, military action. I mean, probably 99, I, I would almost go so far as to say 99.9 of true conservatives. You know, you've got some on the fringe who, who are willing to maybe get violent, destroy, kind of like BLM did and like so many on that other, on the left side of, of activism, uh, like so many of them were doing. Um, but um, it's just interesting to me that when, 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 a, when a good ideology, or, or in the best case, when a good spirituality, and we know there, there's only one source of truth, and that's Jesus. So when, when a good spirituality starts to experience a revival in a nation or even in a family um, or in a community, it's not uncommon to see some excesses. And some excesses that at times maybe are being done by, you know, um, Christians who've gotten carried away. Other times are being done by people who um, are not at all being led by the Spirit, and they're just using it as an opportunity to, to, uh, to, to do whatever. Um, and, and this is why even like in a church, if let, let's say you have a gathering of 100 people or 1,000 people, um, you, you can't just let somebody hop up and start running around, you know, in their, in their um, just joyous fervor, um, because it's going to disrupt others. I mean, so, so you got somebody preaching the word, teaching the word, and you get one person that comes and stands up and starts running around and praising the Lord. Well, you know, whatever may be going on in their heart, they're, they're not, they're not acting wisely because rather than adding to, um, the message of the word and, and, and remaining silent, um, while it's, it, while it's, you know, being explained and taught and preached, um, they're becoming a distraction in their emotion. And this is what definitely happened on a political side of the political aspect. I think with the whole Capitol riot is, is you had a lot of people there who had been, you know, charged up for conservatism and, and had no intention whatsoever of doing anything violent or destructive. But, but I think there was that other element that took advantage of that. And, and I, I'm simply saying that in, in any, good move of, of conservatism, or far more importantly, a move of, of religious, uh, spiritual, um, uh, you know, just passion for, for Christ and for the gospel, um, there are going to be some excesses that are going to be going on. And, and Satan will try to stir that up to, to, to paint the whole thing with a, a broad brush. To, to try, you know, take, take like in, you know, in communist China. I mean, why doesn't the government embrace Christians? Because the Christians in, in that country could, could help that government um, in, in a million ways to, to become much better for the people. But, they're, but instead, they themselves are controlled by um, demonic forces that keep them in spiritual darkness, and then they seek to have to control others, or North Korea, you know, or Iran. I mean, why are their leaders all about controlling Christians and being afraid of Christians? Well, because the one who's controlling them is, is terrified of the blood of Jesus. You know, demons are terrified of the blood of Jesus, like the time Jesus was coming and there were two demon-possessed men, and the demons inside of them asked the Lord, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Well, demons are terrified of Jesus because they know that their, uh, their fate is sealed. And when we get into Revelation here, we're dealing with things like that, that, 
that have to do with, you know, eternity and heaven and hell. And even there in, in, in Revelation 13, where it says all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the lamb that was slain uh, from the creation of the world. So, so there we're talking about there's one book, son, there's one reservation book um, uh, to get into heaven. It's called the book of life. And, and that's on a scale so far above anything that happened with the Washington, D.C. Um, rally that President Trump held. Uh, you know, uh, what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So if that had ramifications for our nation, and it did, and if a revival of conservatism could bring immense blessing to this nation, and it could, um, think on what a spiritual revival could bring to somebody, um, regardless of their race, regardless of their, um, you know, the country that they're from. Uh, so so we're, we're dealing with two kingdoms here. You know, we're dealing with two kingdoms, and, and whether it be the kingdom of the state, or the kingdom of, of God. In, in both kingdoms, son, you've got those who want to control others. And in both cases, um, they are, those are dark forces. Those are dark forces. They're, they're not forces of light. They're forces of darkness. And, and they, they give themselves away over and over again by how often they try to control others. There's no freedom in their hearts whatsoever. And especially as it deals with Christians, Christianity. And, and again, I'll say, I mean, something as simple as trying to force somebody to bake a cake. Are you kidding me? Um, I mean, you're going to force somebody to go against their convictions on something as stupid as a cake. I mean, if somebody wants to make your cake at home or go to somebody else, but, 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 but that's what happens when dark forces in the government get involved in something they should never be involved in. Uh, but, but they can't help themselves because of the darkness inside of their soul. And so this is what's happening in Revelation. This is, this is what happened with Satan's heart when his heart became proud on account of his beauty and he got kicked out of heaven. And ever since then, son, there's been this war going on uh, between the forces of, of evil and, 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 and God's, um, God's army um, of, 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 you know, of, of holy angels, uh, but also Christians. And, and the, way that we, the way that we do battle today is through prayer, not, not by taking up arms and, and, and fighting people um, you know, to try to force them to convert or something like that, that's impossible. But no, we, we are called to love. We're called to turn the other cheek. Um, we're called to pray. Um, many, many of our brothers and sisters in Christ get martyred in the process. Um, but I'll tell you what, in the long run, they're going to be a billion times better off than those who are content to just sit by, be controlled by the crowd, be controlled by the forces of darkness, um, kind of ignore Jesus and then get to judgment day and realize, oops, Maybe I should have listened more to the Bible, you know, and to the gospel. You know, if we're going to have a, uh, a spiritual revival in our country, which I think is an uphill battle, because I just look at California, for example, and, and all the indoctrination ideology that they want to put into our school systems. I mean, the most recent one is California is proposing an ethnic studies curriculum that includes chanting to the Aztec god of cannibalism. You know, oh my goodness. and then you talk oh about, you know, teachers having to undergo, you know, um, like white privilege training, denouncing their white privilege, you know, that, like you've mentioned, transgender ideology being uh, forced yeah. upon, you know, kindergarten, first, second graders, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and I think, I know a lot of people use the analogy of Jesus overturning the, uh, the the tables you know in the temple yeah, you know yeah, the money as, changers in the temple yeah, yeah as we need to rise up right i like to think of peter 
because Peter had a reaction yeah. when he chopped off the ear. And I'm not saying we run around chopping off people's ears, literally. No. But metaphorically, Never. maybe we need to be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to countering some of these things and not be so passive. Because it is. It is an uphill, uphill battle. And just like we see, you know, the Democrats, they take an aggressive approach when they do their uh, uh, campaigning and voting and ideology and stuff. And a lot of people are saying the Republicans are too weak and too uh, timid and passive. I think as Christians, I think we need to become a little bit more aggressive in countering and not be so uh, concerned, so to speak, with what people are going to say as far as, well, you, you should be passive because Jesus was passive. You should uh, turn the other cheek because the Bible says turn the other cheek. It's, it's going to take something, I think, with a little bit of chutzpah to counter some of these things because the devil is running around. He is devouring people. He is putting things out there, and he's yeah. destroying a lot of people. I mean, you look at the church itself, and the church itself is crumbling with a lot of you know things that are going on within just the church, you know, universal church itself. And yeah. so, so is that what it's going to take, do you think? Do you think it's going to take people having to be a little bit more aggressive? And I don't mean going out there and, and, and you know, like the Crusades, yeah, yeah. you know. But, right, right. But, but instead of, you know, instead of just sitting back and being passive and just praying and be like, oh, God, you know what, you're going to take care of this. You know, we need to do our part. We need to go out there and do something and counter some of these things. It might be going out there and, like you said, attending rallies, going out there and trying to make people aware of these, you know, ethnic studies, you know, that are going on. Yeah. Uh, going yeah, out yeah. there and making sure that, you know, we are sharing what is going on with the gospel. I mean, we don't have to sit there and counter right. a proposal for ethnic studies as why ethnic studies is bad and why chanting to an Aztec god of cannibalism is bad. What we need to be out right. there doing is promoting, you know, why following God is good, why this, you know, salvation is the only way, why Jesus is the only way. Because I think once we start to turn the minds of people that way, then yeah. we have that in as to start maybe a spiritual uh, revival and a spiritual revolution in our country. Cause I don't think right now, if we, if we face it head on, you know, there's, there's just a lot of stuff that I think a lot of, uh, brick walls and obstacles, which Jesus can, you know, overcome. God can do whatever he wants, you know, but I think it's going to take the Christian to be a little bit more Peter like and be a little bit more aggressive and go out there and go after and not be so passive and just sitting back and taking it, you know, on cheek to cheek. Well, and I'll tell you, son, I, I think about that, that the, the Bible passage, you know, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor and, and release for the, you know, captives and prisoners. I mean, I think when we look in the history of the Christian church, when we see someone like a Will, William Wilberforce, you know, working against the slave trade to, to, to free people uh, who are being oppressed because of the color of their skin, or, or Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Nazi Germany, um, a Luther minister who, who worked to... Uh, who worked against uh, the Nazis and, 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 and tried to save Jews, you, 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 the, the common denominator that we find and, and in America today, you know, you see a lot of, you know, Christians who feel compelled to, to be involved in trying to wake people up to the horror of what abortion uh, does to innocent, you know, unborn children. I mean, but what's the common denominator? It, it, it's Christians doing what you're talking about, their son, getting involved, again, for the freedom whether it be of, of black individuals who are being oppressed by slavery in, in that case, um, wh wh whether it be um, Jewish individuals who are being oppressed by the Nazis, whether it be unborn children who are being you know, oppressed by, uh, you know, uh, abortion, uh, abortion uh, providers. Okay. Um, in every case, I these are Christians who are compelled to try to bring life and hope and freedom to to people because we've been made in the image of God. And because as Christians, we know from scripture 
that, that God loves everyone and everyone is, is, is created and is to be uh, treated as, uh, as, as someone that God loves and, and we're tr- to try to help um, protect a person from, from slavery and, and, and from, from harm and, and from, um, you know, just the horrors of like what went on in, in Nazi Germany um, and the horror of what goes on with abortion. So, um, and not every Christian is going to feel as compelled um, on, on every issue, even though, you know, many Christians will recognize how horrible it is, but, but some will choose a cause, I, I think, Son, and because we only all have so much time, um, you know, and, and, but we all can do something. Um, we all can help others uh, to come closer to God and, and, and to learn his word and, and to know what the gospel means. We all can help, you know, others to work for, um, for, for the freedom of those who are being oppressed. So I, I think, I think, Son, um, yeah, to answer your question, I, I do think, and I, I don't think about it necessarily in terms of so much of turning the other cheek or not turning the other cheek. Um, I think about it in terms of we have God fighting on our side and God is for freedom. And, and um, you know, when, when, when Peter drew his sword and, 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 and cut off that, that soldier's ear, um, and then, you know, the Lord, um, did not want that. The Lord did not want there to be th- this violent, um, uh, attacking of those who reject him. Um, so, so what, what, what we're seeing there, Son, is that it's a transition from in the Old Testament where God would send his people out to destroy God's enemies who had, who had sinned against God. And, and God was using his people as a form of, of, uh, as, you know, basically these instruments of justice. Um, against those who were opposing God by their false religion, their worship of false gods, and, and so forth. Now we transition to the New Testament, and now Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, comes, and, and God's now going to transition his people away from that sort of, of approach to God's enemies, and, and, and God's going to remind us that all of us were God's enemies uh, until we were converted. Uh, you know, all of us were opposed to God uh, until we came to know Christ. And so, yeah, I don't know that it's so much, a, 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 you know, turning the other cheek or not. Um, I, I, I think that, that that biblical teaching from the Lord is, is an important one that we are to seek to follow. But, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that being um, uh, meek, meek is not, meekness is not the same thing as weakness. I mean, it doesn't mean we don't work against injustice, against evil, that we don't try to um, liberate people. Um, you know, we must obey God rather than men, you know, uh, the, the apostles declared in the book of Acts. So I think you're right about we, we do need to be more involved. We do need to be um, engaged. We do need to find where is the Lord leading me to be an instrument of, of peace and justice for all and, and then work in that area but just to go back one more time, I, I, I think what we what we see with, for example, what happened with the Capitol riots is um, I, I'm actually thankful, Son, that, that I don't I don't see any sort of movement in America among Christians whatsoever for any sort of like you know violent overthrow of the government. I I, I think um, you know God God I don't believe based on Scripture God isn't calling America to become a theocracy where, where, you know, you either worship, you know, the God of the Bible, the one true God, or you, you, um, have to face the, the, the wrath of the state. Um, that, that's not what we see in the design in the New Testament. 
um, uh, what, what we see is this tremendous freedom that, that the gospel brings to people. And it's why, once again, if the leaders in China and North Korea and Iraq would fall on their knees and, 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 and begin to worship God the, the, the way that, uh, you know, uh, Daniel of old, uh, back in the Old Testament, you know, worshiped God uh, among, you know, the Babylonians. You know, if they would do that in Iraq today, if they would do that in North Korea today and in China today, what they would find is that that God who is supporting, for example, the underground church in China, all these Christians who are being forced to meet, you know, uh, privately and secretly because of the oppression of the state, what, what these leaders would find is, hey, wait a minute, you know, we do need him. We need him for this life. We need him for the next life. But their eyes have been blinded. Their eyes have been blinded. So, so it's, you know, it, it's not something as simple as if we just stop turning the other cheek, somehow we can fix this. This cannot be fixed by force. You know, Christianity cannot be forced upon anyone. But there are many different social issues that can be addressed um, with great effort and great work and, great, and working against many times what what the world is trying to push as as the agenda that we all need to accept. So. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a lot that we can, uh, a lot that we can do, son. Far more actually through prayer than through, let's say, um, you know, physical confrontation with with people who, um, you know, who don't uh, who don't follow Christ. Because I, I don't find in any of Jesus's ministry, uh, any any day of his ministry, as we find in Scripture, I don't ever find him trying to force Christianity on anyone. You know, it basically was like, hey, you know, I'm the bread of life. You know, uh, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the light of the world. Um, you know, you, you need what I can give you. Um, but if you're going to refuse, um, then, um, you know, then you'll have to, you'll have, you'll be accountable then for your sins on, on judgment day. You'll be accountable throughout eternity for your sins. And because I, I've, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Um, and, but he didn't force it. He didn't force it on anybody. So anytime we as Christians are forcing anything, um, I think we need to really stop and say, no, wait a minute, you know, um, do I, maybe am I getting out in front of this thing? Am I getting out in front of God? Uh, you know, um, we have to be careful, uh, even in our zeal. And, and, and that's where I think sometimes even in revivals, there's, there's, there've been some excesses by zealous people, but they've not been wise in their zeal. And, and obviously those who stormed the Capitol, um, were not demonstrating wisdom and, and it didn't help the conservative movement at, in, in that moment. Now, I think the conservative movement will remain very strong in America uh, because especially because um, there are many dark elements on the left. They're going to continue to press and press and press against people. And people are just going to get sick of it and say, you know what? Um, I was, I was created to be free, not to live my life under your thumb, you know? So, um, uh, but yeah, so uh, as you can tell, son, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, coming at this <laughs> from, from many different places, many, many different angles, I guess, today. Well, I don't think it's uh, a simple answer, you know. I mean, we talked about Revelations yeah. when we started things off in the Mark of the Beast. You know, in a lot of Revelations, I think after Chapter 3 in Revelations is all futuristic. You know, John's looking into the future. And so right, we, don't right, really, right. we don't really know. I mean, most of everything in the Bible is, is historical, kind of in the past, mm-hmm. or, you know, something that we can look at from, from Jesus' example while he walked 
walked on earth, you know, and, and some yeah. of those type of things that we can take stories or take the, you know, the stories and learn from them and take the applications and learn from them. It's, it's things that have happened. But when you look towards right. the future, you know, we don't really know what John saw and we don't really know where in the part of history or in future where it's going to, to lie could be like you mentioned earlier, Christians could not be on this earth when some of this stuff happens. Um, you know, Christians could be raptured already. We could be, you know, going through the tribulation and some of this is taking place. And a lot of us aren't here. I mean, we just don't know. But when we started the conversation, originally the idea was, you know, paving the way, you know, is some of this technology and some of these ideologies, because we see it, we see even Christians being yeah. easily kind of manipulated and coerced into doing things. I mean, here's another quick example, if I may. So yeah. during the uh, during the riots of the summer of 2020 and the protesting that was going on, the rioting, yeah. the burning, the looting and all that, I had a conversation right. with somebody. Uh, fellow Christian, and they were kind of pro the rioting and pro the, you know, not the destruction, but, you know, the demonstrations, you know, the legalized stuff. And that was all right. good. But I asked the question, I simply asked the question, as we look for change, because everybody wants to be on the right side of history, everybody wanted to be on the right side of this protesting that was going on, this social justice and, you know, Black Lives Matter and things. But mm-hmm. the question was posed. Is it better to have a thousand people march in the streets? You can only pick one. Is it better to have the thousand people, ten thousand people marching the streets in a, in an effort to change, or is it better to have thousand, ten thousand people on their knees praying to God? Okay, and the the answer could not. They couldn't answer the question. They said it had to be both. And like, okay, I understand, but you have to choose one. Are you going to put your entire faith? in the fact that God, because I know faith takes action, but do we start with our faith in God and our prayers that he's going to lead us to make the change? Because what if we sit and pray and we think that marching in the streets is the way to go, but then God opens up other avenues for us to um, pursue things? You know, we don't know. Um, And so prayer. And so so that was the thing. So as we look toward the stuff, I think the the, the focus Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be on, the tangibility of what's going on as far as how are we going to respond to Aztec gods and cannibalism and, and our kids chanting. We need to take action against that. But if we pray, God, how can you lead us to combat this? God, how can you lead us yeah, to yeah. spread the gospel yeah. so that others, when the time comes, right. know right. that this is wrong? How can we pray? And God, yeah. how can you lead us and open up opportunities? Because if we start to yeah. follow that lead first, then I think yeah. the other things will yeah. come that we need to do, the action that we need to take. I remember, you know, missionaries, it was always when a missionary was about to go out and do something, or if there was, I think it was maybe even Billy Graham, whenever he had a crusade in a town, it wasn't just, yeah. hey, let's show up and do it. It was like, let's pray, 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 pray. And then as we move into that town for the revival, we've already been praying about this. As missionaries go out to the mission field, there's already been tons of prayer for them and their mission yeah, work. That's right. It's, it's that's prayer, right. Se- prayer sets the table. It's like, you know, an, an athlete will practice and train and sports teams will practice and they'll train and they get prepared for the game. They don't wait until the game to now get ready and prepare. And I think prayer for the Christian is the biggest thing, prayer and reading scripture, but prayer sets the table that God will lead the way, the lamp unto our feet and without that, I don't think we can really be as effective 
if we just go and try to do things on our own. If we go march the streets, okay, that's fine, yeah. but are yeah. we really being as productive as if we sat yeah. and prayed and allowed God to lead yeah. the way and lead the path for how we can go about yeah. and doing things? I think that's beautifully said, Son, and what it makes me think of um, is um, Billy Graham, whom God used uh, you know, uh, to, to, to lead many people to know him, to know Christ, to save him. In fact, my own brother-in-law um, came to know Christ by listening uh, to a, a Billy Graham crusade. Uh, but but many, many came to know Christ through the gospel. That was something important that you said a moment ago. You, you referred to the gospel. But, but Billy Graham would never go into a city for a crusade unless there had first been six months of, of, of concentrated um, united prayer. Because Billy Graham understood, Father, that we are fighting against spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realms, as Ephesians 6 talks about, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I mean, so, so we move into the New Testament, we move away from, you know, um, the Israelites, uh, you know, battling the Canaanites and using swords. Um, instead, we, we, we now have Christians battling, um, you know, dark angels, evil angels, and, and the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, the Bible says. They have power to demolish strongholds. So we now have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's the sword that we have. So, and the gospel is the power of God to the salvation of them that believe. So there's nothing more powerful, son, in the world than the power of the gospel, um, because the power of the gospel is what breaks through man's hardness of heart, his sin, and his natural bent toward works righteousness. Um, and, and, and man remains lost as long as he's trying to save his soul. And, and we don't have to look any further than the very next chapter, Psalm. We were talking about Revelation 13, the mark of the beast, you know, and the number 666. You look at the very next verse in, in Revelation 14, verse 1, and John says, Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb, of course, Jesus, standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and, on his, and, and his father's name written on their forehead. Okay, so now... That 144,000, you mentioned how, you know, it's challenging to, you know, how do we interpret, you know, parts of Revelation? It is challenging. Um, but I'll tell you how one group interprets that, um, a non-Christian sect um, known as Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, they use that verse to say there'll be 144,000 people up above in heaven. And then, and then the others who are going to be in, in, in paradise will be a paradise on earth, according to them. Okay. But, uh, but I'll tell you what else goes on, according to them. They have a different gospel than the gospel Jesus presented and the gospel Paul preached and the gospel that God gave us in Christian, in Christianity. Their, their message is a message of, of works righteousness. Um, their message is a, is one that you have to, um, work and you don't really know if you're saved until the end, but, but their works contribute in their minds to them being saved. That is not the gospel. That is not Christianity. And this is why Christian denominations do not recognize Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormon doctrine as Christian doctrine, because it isn't. Um, they, they redefine the nature of God. Um, Jesus is now a created being, according to them. Well, that's not, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. Um, they're, they're saved ultimately by their works. Even if they tell you they're saved by faith, um, they're, they're taught to believe that what faith is is that faith is not only believing, but also doing. That's what they're taught. But the Bible doesn't teach that, Son. The Bible teaches that we're saved by grace through faith. And yes, the Bible does teach that faith without works is dead. But you can't make a dead faith come alive by working. 
You can only make a, a deadness in your soul come alive by believing in Jesus. And then the fruit of a living faith will, of course, be a life of works. There's no such thing as, as faith without works, not biblical faith, you know, not, not biblical faith. So I, I go into all that to say, son, that the most powerful thing that we have in our arsenal is the gospel. And, of course, you, you, you would add to that, I mean, the power of God through prayer, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the blood of Jesus, the power of Scripture. I mean, all of these things. But without the gospel that the Lord gave us, uh, to, to which Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to the salvation of them who believe. And I'll tell you how much power it has. It has enough power to turn um, Saul of Tarsus, who was hauling Christians off to jail, who was cheering when they were being put to death, who was cheering there uh, at the first Christian martyrs stoning, Stephen. Saul of Tarsus was there uh, before the Lord got a hold of him on the Damascus Road and he was converted. Um, so the gospel has the power to convert a soul from darkness to light. And, and I'll tell you, son, our arguments and our forcefulness and, and our marches, and none of that can do that. And, and, and all you have to look it up, look any further than Facebook. I mean, think about in recent years, all the political arguments that have transpired on Facebook, and probably nobody has convinced someone with different views by arguing their point on Facebook and, and pointing out how they're wrong. Um, because as much as we might like to, you can't force someone to believe, you know, what is true. And, but that's especially the case in the spiritual realm. And, and, but but what, what is also true, son, is once your soul gets free, once your spirit comes alive, it affects everything in, in your, your whole worldview uh, about, about freedom. And, and you stop trying to control people if you're being led by the Holy Spirit and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says this, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that's why, you know, the politicians are all about control. Um, it doesn't appear they have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. And he only comes to live with inside a believer. So just like the Bible says, out of the overflow of the mouth, uh, uh, out of the overflow of the heart, rather, the mouth speaks. You want to know what somebody thinks about? Listen to them talk. You want to know whether somebody's a Christian? Look at whether they try to control others or whether they let people be free. And if they're control freaks, that is not a good indicator, son, that they have the Holy Spirit in them. Because the Holy Spirit um, does not operate that way. Jesus does not operate that way. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit does not operate that way. And spiritual Christians do not seek to control others the way that many in our world do. So if you want to know whether somebody is being filled by the Holy Spirit, I mean, we can't look into everybody's heart. Some people we may not know. I'm not sure that person's a Christian or not. You know, they're kind of giving me mixed signals by what they say and by what they do. But I'll tell you this, son. Anybody who is seeking to control others, at a minimum, we can say, if that person does happen to be a Christian, they're certainly not allowing the Holy Spirit to guide them and lead them. Because if they were, they would live like Jesus. And where did Jesus ever try to control anyone? Where did he ever try to control even one of his disciples? Where did he ever try to control the tax collectors or the prostitutes that he, he would gather with to try to, you know, reach out to them? Where did he ever do that? And he had his harshest words for the control freaks, the religious leaders of his day, um, who were just out of their minds trying to control him and others. He had his harshest words for them. And, and, and I believe, son, they'll have the harshest penalties on Judgment Day. Um, those who have um, been control freaks and, and those who've tried to, to I mean, these, these false prophets of, of these religious groups, son, I mean, my goodness. I mean, when they face the Lord one day uh, and they're going to be held accountable for forgiving people, not the gospel, but works righteousness, works righteousness. Any religious leader that does not deliver the gospel, and, and you know, that is, not, that is not a place you're going to want to be standing in uh, when they stand before the Lord. Because we are called to set pe help people be free. 
and the truth will set you free. It won't make you a control freak. It won't make you try to work for heaven because you could never earn it. It won't, you know, you, you won't try to force others to, 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 um, you know, to follow Christ, but you will work diligently and pray diligently as you just, you, you had a great mixture there, son, of both faith and works. Uh, you'll pray diligently and work diligently so others can be free in Jesus. And, and that's our mission here in America. And even in a day of Amazon Palm Pilots and, and capital riots and, and, uh, you know, vaccine passports and, you know, all these things going on around us. Um, we have an eternal home in heaven that God's going to bring us to one of these days. You know why? Because our names are in the book of life. How do we know that? Because we're trusting in Christ's death for our sins. We're trusting in his shed blood. We're not trusting in our works. Well, we're not believing what, what the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and, 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 and other religious groups teach their followers. Um, no, we are saved by grace through faith. And, and, and as, as offensive as some people find that message to be, um, you and I, we live and die with that message. And, and we go to our grave clinging to the promises of God in the gospel. And we won't be disappointed, son. Everyone who trusts in him, the Bible says, will never be put to shame. And, and so um, those who are ashamed of Christ, those who are ashamed of the gospel, and those who preach another Jesus, um, as Paul said, um, you know, let, let them be anathema. You know, let, let I mean, those are wicked Wicked doers of evil, if they're preaching a different gospel than the one that the Lord gave us, where they're combining works with it. Um, you cannot be saved by works. And um, that, so uh, the 144,000, I, I believe that's, you know, 12 times 12, of course, 144. I believe that is, you know, symbolic of, of all those who will be in heaven. But whatever that interpretation means, whatever, you know, whatever the Lord's getting at there, um, there are going to be a lot more than 144,000 people in heaven, I assure you, because there have been millions and millions and millions of people who've lived and died trusting in Christ who will spend eternity in heaven. And I'm just thankful, Son, that you and I and, and our families and, and, and others, anybody who wants to, can, can come on in, whoever's thirsty, let them, um, you know, let them take uh, the free gift of the water of life. Dan Delzell, as always, we appreciate your comments and your uh, sharing your thoughts and and insight as to all this that's going on in the world. And it really does take a biblical perspective to kind of understand things and put things in place. And, and really, when it comes down to it, ease the calm, that peace that passes all understanding, because it can be a frightful world out there, and it can be a world full of anxiety if we look at it through yeah. a worldly perspective. But through a biblical perspective, yeah. you know, it, yeah. we still might be a little on edge at times, but at least we sure. know that in the end, yeah. our destination, right. if our heart is right, is going to be in glory with Jesus for all eternity. Cool. Well, amen. I mean, we're still human. We're still susceptible to all the, the natural fears that man has. But, but like you say, son, the Lord can help us with that. You know, the Bible says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And so, you know, daily we seek to do that um, because, you know, he has a great home um, prepared for us in heaven. Dan Delzell, if people want to have more information or maybe just reach out, uh, where can they find you? Well, uh, my email address is dandelzell, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L at cox.net. And I would welcome, you know, any, any thoughts or questions if someone would like to, uh, to write to me. And you can find me, uh, on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. And then also you can, uh, DM me there. There's a, a link in the bio. If you hit the, the link, there's all kinds of options that pop up for you to hear the show, hear other shows and things like that. And so, um, Dan, Again, we just appreciate your time every week coming out and talking to us and giving us insight and sharing the conversation. And, and we look forward to uh, many more conversations as uh, as we uh, move forward here into 2021. 
Absolutely. Well, I'm sure looking forward to it as well, son. And thanks again for having me. And, and, and thank you for just having your finger on the pulse of, of these key issues and allow me to be a part of these discussions with you. It, it's really been, uh, it's, it's fantastic to do so. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.